Hi, Tim. Hey, Ash. Welcome back to Breaking the Fourth Wall. Where we engage in stimulating conversations about ways that we can promote positive change in musical theater. Tim. Yes. What puzzler do you have for us this week? All right, I have a very special one for you this week. Who is the first black female to win a Tony for Best Actress in a Musical? This is a good one. I know. I thought it would be. And we will circle around at the very end of this episode, and let's discover that answer together. Wonderful. Moving forward, what's in the news this week? A few items I want to talk about. Not a lot happening on Broadway this week. But first up, I want to just remind everybody that the Broadway revival of Company is opening um, fairly soon. I'm going to get you the dates here in a second when we we move forward in our t- topics for the news. But a, the the video was released of the promo for the new revival starring Katarina Link as the role of of Bobby with an I. Yes, B-O-B-B-I-E. Oh, I-E, sorry, yes. I-E. And also, don't forget that the wonderful Patti Lapone mm-hmm. is starring in the role of Joan. You didn't know that one, did you, Tim? No, I did not. <laughs> <laughs> I knew she was in the show, but I couldn't remember what character she was playing. Here's I to the ladies who launch. That makes perfect sense. I can only imagine her playing, <laughs> singing that song and playing Joan. She's going to be fantastic in that crass Elaine Page kind of energy. Yes. Uh, I was really excited. I actually watched this clip this morning. And mm-hmm. while we're not necessarily hearing Katarina Link sing in the video, correct? I think it's really cool because uh, we're we're it has little bits of interviews about the director's vision for this show and how they kind of work how she worked with Stephen Sondheim on kind of tweaking the the female energy in the show. And it's really interesting. It got me thinking about the role of Bobby and how it fits into the world of company and how these characters around Bobby, now with an IE, mm-hmm. this female interpretation of Bobby, are impressing their point of view about marriage on a female character versus a male character. And I think that will change the entire dynamic, especially given, you know, the the energy we're in right now uh, in 2019. I think it's going to be really exciting to see how this plays out. And a female director that, that originated this new adaptation in the West End, Correct. Marianne Elliott, who is now bringing that to Broadway. And she even wanted the quotes that she has in the video is, quote, because she's a woman, everybody has an opinion about what she should do, end quote. Isn't that great? Mm-hmm. I love that. And also Katarina Link, who is so yes. unique as as a leading lady in, 20, in 2019. She is going to bring something really tremendously unique to the table in terms of that character. And I'm really excited to see how that plays out. Not the typical, quote, mm-hmm. leading female, which I love. We're breaking those boundaries of what it really means to be a lead. Anybody can, no matter who you are, what you look like, what you act like. It's not that typical, I'm a musical theater singer. And I don't I don't think they're taking the approach that it's a 1970s energy kind of musical. They're really kind of revamping this entire it's show. It's put into present day. Yeah. And scenically and visually and staging wise, they're really bringing a lot of contemporary sentimentality. So this show almost feels anew. Like we're seeing company for the very first time ever. And I'm really excited about it. And those are the shows we love when they're redirected, re-envisioned with a new fresh idea. We also have another bit of news about the Michael Jackson musical that was supposed to come to Broadway and then was somewhat canceled or postponed. It was recently announced this past week that it is coming back to Broadway. Supposedly, there are no dates been announced no theater has been announced it's still in somewhat of a development period but it's coming back with a new title now called mj 
It's so interesting that they're picking this up again. I'm, I'm just curious. And I know there's I know. a lot of controversy surrounding the Michael Jackson story. And what I what I found that was really interesting is that the, uh, the people that are conceiving of the show chose to only focus on his 20s and 30s, which were, you know, sl- where he was slowly moving out of the Motown era and starting to move into creating his own music yes. in, as an individual solo artist, which really kind of he arrived at the climax of his career with the uh, with the uh, Thriller album and then, of course, Bad and all those amazing albums that came out in the 80s and the early 90s. But I, I struggle because I feel like in order to give a holistic experience of who Michael Jackson was, if we're going to go the route of this musical, we need to see the good and the bad. We can't just focus on, you know, the highlights of his career. And if you, anybody has ever researched, you know, the, the Michael Jackson story, they understand that, like, they know that his childhood was was troubled. Absolutely. Um, you know, he grew up in a family that w- uh, had a lot of expectations as the Jackson Five, and his, his father was very tough on his kids. You know, theater is personal, mm-hmm. and I, I just don't think it's the right time right now, but it is one of the main pro- two producers is the Michael Jackson estate, so... Yeah. And, and granted, you, you know, know, if you've got the money, obviously you can produce what you want. Absolutely. And, and you can you can paint a picture of a person or an artist however you want. And that's totally fair in art. But I would like to see if we're going to do a musical that is about a specific person, give the audience the whole experience of who that person was and let them be the ones that dictate the outcome or what their what, what their they thoughts thought are. about, think yeah. about it or feel about it. So we'll see how it comes along. But um, there you have it. Chasing Rainbows, The Road to Oz, a new musical that traces the early part of Judy Garland's life. So again, they're not they're not discussing the entire part of Julie Garden's Judy Garland's life in this one either. Just the very um, beginning of her career as she comes from a, a child star. And this musical is um, set to slated to go to Broadway. Does there's not a date yet set? It's not in this coming season, but it just opened October sixth at the Paper Mill Playhouse, mm-hmm. and it's only running until um, until October twenty seventh. So not very long. And it is an adaptation, of course, of the life of Judy Garland, or her her real name, which was uh, Francis Gum. Yes. Yeah. And and many don't know she was actually a vaudeville performer with her with her sisters as a child. Uh, they were called the Gum Sisters. They were a, a quote unquote family act. Yes. During the vaudeville circuit. And so this musical is just really spanning sixteen years of her career. Mm-hmm. Again, they're picking and choosing what they're showing. So um, again, if you make a musical, you can choose what you'd like to do with it. So take a look at it um, if you're up in the Paper Mill Playhouse in New Jersey anytime soon. The there's a musical that just opened on Broadway. It's called Freestyle Love Supreme, which we have talked about in the past. Mm-hmm. Freestyle Love Supreme is, of course, written by none other than Lynn Manuel Miranda. And can you just describe for for people that haven't listeners that didn't catch that episode where we talked about it, what it's about? In my own words, if I can break it down, I would describe it as a hip hop sketch comedy showcase. Uh, there is no, ne- there's not necessarily any kind of book to it. It is not uh, pre prescribed music. It is every night is a uniquely different kind of experience being a sketch comedy show. And so I think that it's going to be uh, focused primarily around comedy and hip hop and improvised music in the moment. Now, this musical started previews September 13th and it just opened October 2nd. So mm-hmm. not, not to, a few days ago. And of course, the reviews are amazing so far. Mm-hmm. And um, I was thinking about when I was looking at this musical that what other musicals have opened so far in this season? 
So just a reminder, Moulin Rouge opened um, July 25th. And then now we have Freestyle Love Supreme, which is not open-ended. It's just running for a short period. Those are the only two musicals we've seen so far in this season that have opened on Broadway. The new 2019-2020 season. Correct. So I was thinking, would you like a little rundown of what we, what the musicals that are about to open? Yes, I would love that. I know we talked about that much earlier and about five episodes ago, but I think it's good we to did. come back around and see what has changed and what's opened. So Moulin Rouge, Freestyle Love Supreme as well, both of those have opened on Broadway and are still running now. We also have coming up next, this is an order of opening date, a really previews date. The Lightning Thief, the Percy Jackson musical, is starting previews September 20th, so it's in previews already, and it's about to open October 16th. Then we have, and that musical is based on the book Mm -hmm. as well, the novel, and then we also have Tina Turner, the musical, that is getting ready to start previews October 12th, and it's going to open officially November 7th, of course, based on the life of Tina Turner. Mm -hmm. And then we have Jagged Little Pill, previewing starting November 3rd and opening December 5th. Jagged Little Pill, of course, with music by... Alanis Morissette. Yes. And and directed by Diane Paulus, so a female director. Yay! And a female composer lyricist. Yes. We're kind of moving with the same energy as Waitress. Makes me so happy. Yes. Then we also have the West Side Story Revival. Starts previews December 10th and is opening February 6th. Directed by... Ivan Van Hove. And then um, also a note for this West Side Story revival, it's going to be the first major New York revival to really deviate from Jerome Robbins' original choreography. Mm. So that should be different. And a female um, choreographer. Um, Girl from the North County starts previews February 7th of next year, opens March 5th. Inspired by the music of Bob Dylan. Yes. And then we have Six the Musical uh, previews February 13th and opening March 12th which is a West End transfer. Correct. Based um, six females, based on the wives. Six wives of Henry VIII. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the company revival, uh, previewing March 2nd of next year and opening on Sondheim's 90th birthday, March 22nd. Wow. I know. And then we have Diana the Musical, which is previewing March 2nd next year, opening March 31st, which is a transfer from La Jolla Playhouse, mm-hmm. of course, based on uh, Princess Diana. Then we have Flying Over Sunset, previewing March 12th, opening April 16th of next year. And remember, Flying Over Sunset, we talked about this a few episodes back. It's based on this um, uh, three artists during the 50s as they experiment with the LSD drug and um, that actually really happened in in life, the three um, people that it's based on. And this is going to be the show that brings Carmen Cusack back to Broadway. Yes. Oh, I'm so excited. And then, of course, we have Caroline or Change, the revival, which is previewing March 13th and opening the 7th, written by none other than. Janine Tesori. Yes, with book and lyrics by Tony Kushner. So that kind of gives you an idea of where we are right now coming up with shows on Broadway. Now, as I was looking through this and thinking, I was starting to think about people like artists like Lin-Manuel Miranda, who are not just an actor, not just a, a director, not just a writer now, but also starting to work in film and starting to voice cartoon characters, animated characters. And so I was starting to wonder about this idea of a multi-hyphenate artist. We hear this a lot lately, too. Uh, these artists that are crossing over, not just focusing on one area of the musical theater experience, but uh, exploring directing, acting, composing, writing lyrics, uh, even producing. And I think 
that we can we can document certain people uh, in the in the last you know twenty twenty five years that have really kind of been trailblazers in this arena. But we're seeing this happen more and more frequently as a younger generation of musical theater artists and creative members come into the arena. We have people like, of course, Lin-Manuel Miranda, who uh, wrote and starred in In the Heights and Hamilton. We have Michael Arden, who's uh, who starred in Hunchback, who starred in Big River with Deaf West, who's also directed Once on this Island and directed the Deaf West production of Spring Awakening. Uh, we have Lucy Moss, who is the one of the writers for the upcoming musical Six. And who, also co-directing it as well. Right. And, of course, Julie Taymor, major trailblazer, who uh, direction of uh, Lion King, mm-hmm. costume design, really conceiving that whole energy behind the vision for what is now Lion King. Mm-hmm. I think these people are perfect examples of a multi-hyphenate artist. Yes. And I I think right now I get this question a lot from even um, people that I'm working with and students. How do you how how do you create a multi hyphenate career? Because many of us these days in this generation are really drawn to multiple avenues of being an artist. Mm -hmm. So for example, Tim, what would you consider yourself? Do you consider yourself a hyphen artist? I absolutely do. And I never really embraced that until I'd say the last five, five years. For me, I consider myself to be a educator, director, electric violinist, and actor. Wow. (laughs) For those folks out there that aren't listening, Tim does play electric violin. Yes, I am also a violinist. But but I've also been found, I found ways throughout my career to marry the art of being an actor and uh, director also with the electric violin and violin in general. I've been able to use my violin skills in theater and to help advance myself, especially, you know, with a lot of new shows that are popping up where, you know, they're asking for actors to be musicians. Yeah, you have to, can you play an instrument Mm -hmm. also can you be doing acrobatics do you do silks do you do lyra what else can you do that's different and unique so let me ask you our first question that'll kind of guide this conversation do you think that it is possible for these young artists that are coming up and aspiring to be on broadway to be multi-hyphenate yes absolutely and i don't even like the term to aspire to be on broadway i think as we've discussed before in our podcast our episode on this podcast defining success right you can define success in many ways it doesn't need to be i am going to be on broadway you can be successful wherever you are doing whatever you want to do so i consider myself to be an actor educator director mm-hmm. and I think what you need to do, if you are really someone that's trying to think, how am I going to do this and is it possible? Yes, it is possible because both of us are proven points. (laughs) And many of the people that we work with do the exact same thing. So I think, is it possible? Yes. How do you do that is another question. And is it going to demand twice the amount of energy and time that you normally take when it comes into one area of your field? Yes. I mean, we work all the time. Basically seven days a week. I mean. <laughs> but I don't consider it work. So like when I, when I always decide as well, what do I want to focus on? Mm-hmm. So I want to focus on being an actor, an educator, and a director. And really honing those three skills every single day. And, and making sure that I'm making a point to take this project as an actor or as a director, what do I want to work on? Or as an educator, what classes do I want to teach? What school do I want to teach at that really makes me excited? So is it possible? Yes. Do you have to work extra hard to do all three of them? Yes. But what I want to point out is that I think 
it used to be pick one thing and do it really well. That's what we were trained as. Pick one thing, do it really well. And I don't think that is true anymore. Pick the things that make you excited and then develop those skills. And I think that's really important by focusing your work on theater that resonates with you. So not just trying to go out and do everything and be all things to all people. I love when I see someone's a student's bio and I'm working on it and they're like, I paint, I draw, I'm a yoga, I can teach right. yoga, I garden, I, I, we, that's great. We all have all of those things. Hone it down to the most important ones that you really care about. Exactly. And for, for someone like myself, you know, uh, who really wants to maintain the violin as a really important part of who I am as an artist, it's been with me since I was a child, I have decided to make it a point of an important aspect of my professional career. So I hold it in equal balance with my directing and my acting and my educating. Right. And so... If you go to my website, you can see that there is equal balance in all three areas. And I think, you know, just a shout out to Tony Howe once again <laughs> for helping us understand how to focus and channel our creative energy into a more narrow gaze right. instead of just trying to be all things to all people. We are taking what is pa- what we're individually passionate about. For us, it's, right. it's uh, cultural advancement in musical theater mm-hmm. and finding a way to channel our directing skills, our educating skills, our, our creative skills as performers and as musicians into that arena. And I think that's where the seed starts. So Tim, what type of projects are you drawn to or work that you really focus on in your four different categories? Projects that I'm really passionate about focusing my energy on include shows that speak to the Latinx community, shows that would allow me the opportunity to play violin in them, uh, shows that would allow me to direct something conceptually and really outside of the box, all the different areas that fit into what I perceive my brand is. So how can someone develop their skills to be in a different category. For example, say you're an actor and you've always wanted to be a director. What can someone do to hone those skills and to have that experience and to start going into that category? I think there are a couple of ways that they can go about doing this. They can either go back to school and train in another arena. They can find some training institute that can offer them the ability. If they, if, For example, if they're an actor and they want to move into directing, they can start um, working as assistant or associate directors on productions uh, at smaller regional levels, even Broadway levels, if they're at that level already, and start learning the connective tissue between acting and directing. Now, even if you're not at the Broadway level, if you're Mm -hmm. in the middle of California Mm -hmm. somewhere and you really want to experience what it's like to be a director, go to your local community theater and ask, hey, do you have someone that needs an assistant director? Mm -hmm. And do it for free and get that experience of what it's like to build your resume. So I think it's a level of we can't forget that there are people of all places, of all levels, and that we have to start somewhere. That's right. And so start if you're in college, ask you're one of the directors, can I assist you? Ask a choreographer, can I assist you? Ask a designer, can I assist you? Go find someone in your community or go to a regional theater and email them and say, hey, do you have anybody as an assistant? I would love to work for free and gain the skills. And that's really how you start to get your foot in the door. And I think one thing that's very attractive to recruiters of college programs, especially at BFA programs across the country, Mm -hmm. is that idea of having some natural skill in a multitude of different areas. I know that there are many programs that actually encourage students to become more Mm multi-hyphenate as they graduate, either having written their own like one-person show, having uh, taking a class on how to play guitar or play an instrument, or even learning the art of producing and directing during their time in college so they can walk out with 
a myriad of different experience and uh, energy going into different arenas of musical theater. So I went to graduate school and got my MFA in musical theater and then started teaching musical theater. And that's really what I'm focused on now is mm-hmm. teaching musical theater performance-based classes and um, and few, a few lecture courses that focus on what I want to do, which is teach musical theater. And through that, I have had the opportunities to direct and choreograph. And that has led me to more opportunities of being an actor because I really discovered... The more you learn about the entirety of your craft, the the better you are as a whole, as a human being and as an artist. Mm-hmm. Being a director, being a choreographer, being an educator and learning from my students has really made me a better performer. It's made me learn about other people's experience and what other people go through. And that I'm able to bring into my craft as an actor. So it kind of makes a big circle. And if you have a passion for an arena that is just a little bit outside of your comfort zone than what you uh, go into, but if you're excited about the possibility and the prospect of possibly moving into one aspect... Go for it. Give it a try and see what happens. Take a class or or learn from somebody. Ask questions and start to see what comes from that experience. Yes, it is a lot of work to become a multi-hyphenate type of artist, but it is entirely possible. Absolutely. And I can speak from personal experience. I love the diversity of what I feel like I can bring to the table when it comes mm-hmm. to either directing or even from a musician's perspective. Right. And if someone's out there right now going, I'm an actor, but I love I love costume design. Try it. Why not? I don't understand why um, we don't accept as a, as a society that you can be an actor and you can be a costume designer. Well, look at Look at Julie Taymor. Right. Perfect example. You can be a designer of sorts and you can be a stage manager. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of actors that get excited to cross over the table and be a stage manager. So I think if there's something you want to do, just start taking the steps to learn the skills and to ask questions and to say, hey, I want to try that and really just jumping in. That's right. Now, what is our puzzler answer for this week, Tim? Okay, so let's go back to the question. Who is the first black female to win a Tony for Best Actress in a Musical? And the answer is... The amazing Diane Carroll. Yes. uh, Who recently passed away this October 4th uh, at the age of 84. Yes. A long, illustrious career in this craft and... We have tremendous, profound amount of respect for what this woman has done in the musical theater and in television and film in general. So the first female in 1962 to win a Tony Award for what musical? It was No Strings. Yes. And she was also in a musical, I believe, in the mid-1950s called House of Flowers as well. Mm. And then she was um, one of the first black females to have her own primetime TV show called Julia. Mm -hmm. And I thought this was really fascinating. This TV show was about a widowed nurse who gave audiences a look into an upper middle class black female home. Mm -hmm. So an upper middle class black family that really had never been represented on screen before. And she played that widowed wife or that, uh, yeah, that widowed wife. Yeah. So our thoughts are with her family, of course. And we are honored to have had the opportunity to have Diane Carroll in our presence for as long as the theater and film industry has had her. So um, I think we're going to end today with uh, a little soundbite of Diane Carroll in an interview where she talks about what it was like to be a trailblazer as a young black woman coming up in the film and the theater industry. And how no matter what anyone says, if you want to do something, you can do it. That's right. 
All right, we'll see you next week. So many people knew nothing about black people at all. Um, they didn't even sit with them here in California on a train or a bus. <laughs> Everyone got into their non-integrated lifestyles and lived them, and then they went to work. So all of a sudden I appeared at 20th Century Fox and NBC, and it was, ah, oh, what do we do with her? There were no representatives of myself in Hollywood for me to ask questions or mentor me or it's call your on your own kid. Get out there and fight the battle.